Um, well, cool. Good morning. Uh, if if we haven't met, uh, I'm James, and uh, it's really a pleasure to be with you all this morning. I, I wonder if if you wouldn't mind in your Bibles turning to Psalm chapter eight. Um, that's where we will be. Um, but as as we do that, I, I'd love to pray. So, would you pray with me? Um, Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, all that swim the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Now, m most of you would know this about me, but... If, if you don't, um, I'd just like to tell you, I am not a runner. <laughs> I'm not a runner. I, I, I don't run for fun. I, I tell people I run to keep sane. Um, I run to air, to get air in my, <laughs> to air. <laughs> I, need a run. I need to go for a run now. <laughs> I need to run to get, <laughs> to air out my head and to air out my frustrations. But to be fair, and to be honest, I'm not a fan of aching legs or burning lungs, uh, a red cherry face and lots of sweat. I'm not a runner. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a walker. Uh, um, that's what I am. I, I love to walk. And um, I live in Fishhook. And on my off days, one of my favorite things to do is to go for a nice long walk. Um, it's usually to St. James or, or maybe Cork Bay or maybe down to Glen Ken. Um, but earphones in my ears, listening to my favorite songs or podcasts. I've usually got a book in my backpack with a notebook, and I walk. And then I stop, and I grab a coffee, and then I find a bench, and I just sit and be. And usually on these Friday or Saturday mornings, I see some of you on those walks. Uh, Des and Keegan, who are often in Kids Rock, I often see them, I often see Ellen running, and they've usually done an hour in the mountains and say, why aren't you running? Because <laughs> I'm walking. <laughs> uh, I sometimes see Paul and Claire um, and I take walks along uh, Fishhook Beach. Um, and every now and then I see Peter and Annabelle, or even Ashley, who I'm pretty sure will be here in the next service, and they're swimming. And I think, like, <laughs> Cape Tonians, I'm here in jeans and a jersey, and they're swimming. Um, but it's really just a beautiful thing, really. And one of my favorite spots um, is very early in the morning. If you get onto Fishhook Beach, and it's the right time of year, it's not too cold, it's not too windy, and you can just sit there on Jagger's Walk and watch the sun come up over the mountains on the other side of the false bay. And the light kind of plays in the water, the breeze is gentle, and you've got mountains all around you. There's children playing on the sand, there's dogs running up and down on the beach, 
and like those crazy people who decide to go swimming. <laughs> but it's all very pleasant. And I think, you know, maybe we do live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And you know, in moments like that, sometimes I just end up praising God. And I don't know if you ever have that experience where you just find yourself in somewhere awesomely beautiful and you almost can't help it. It just comes out. Have you ever had that happen to you? Someone once wrote, when through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountains grandeur and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And sometimes that's, that's what I think. And I wonder if you've ever stopped to consider why. What is it about creation that makes us want to praise God? Or to put it a little differently, what is it about creation that makes God particularly praiseworthy? Is it his raw power? Is that what it is? Do we just get overwhelmed with the wind and the waves, that gale force southeaster throwing up maverick waves against the rocky South Peninsula coast? Or the Cape storms, like one we're experiencing right now, with torrents of rain, flashes of lightning, and claps of thunder? Do we see the power of creation and just stand amazed that God could make a world like this? Or is it his artistic beauty? Are we overcome with the beauty of the sunsets over Nutuk Beach, which are almost painted on the sky with all those pastel pinks and oranges and blues? Do we see the beauty of creation and just stand in awe that God could make a world like this? Or is it his technical precision, the technical precision with, the, uh, with which the world works? I wonder if you've noticed that the world doesn't stop working. Things that I make, and to be honest, I can't make much, if not anything, <laughs> um, but things that I make break, and they stop working. But the world in which we live doesn't. The sun rises and it sets. The earth keeps spinning on its axis. Gravity remains, and we continue to breathe the air that we need to live day by day by day. Do you see the fine-tuned precision of our world and just stop to think that our God could make a world like this? Why do we praise God when we look at the world? Many, many years ago, there was an Israelite who was sitting somewhere in the hills of Ephraim, and maybe a bit like me, he sat on those hills and he looked out at the Mediterranean Sea and thought something similar to what I feel. And he wrote, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens, majesty that fills the earth, glory that stretches the sky. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And the beauty of the psalm is that I might have written that sitting there overlooking the false bay, I might have written those words. And maybe you might have written them too. 
But the thing that I love about the psalm is that I wouldn't have written the next words. Have a look at verse 2. Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, what could it possibly mean to establish a stronghold out of the praise of children and infants? There's a whole bunch of words there that don't seem to belong together. There's praise, there's strength or, or stronghold, there's enemies, foes, and avengers, there's children and infants, and there's creation in verse 1. And I'm thinking, what do all of these things have to do with each other? Why do these things belong together? And the idea itself isn't actually too hard to understand, and we even get an illustration of it in the New Testament. I wonder if you remember the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem and cleansing the temple. We read in the Gospels that as Jesus entered the temple courts, the place that signified God's presence for amongst his people, the place that was the center of worship for the Jewish nation, and he found people buying and selling cattle and, and sheep and doves and others at tables exchanging money. And enraged, he makes a whip and he drove them all out of the temple courts. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And Matthew tells us in his account in chapter 21 that after that, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and Jesus healed them. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they saw the wonderful things that Jesus did and they saw children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. And these religious leaders were angry. They were indignant. So they told the kids to sit down and be quiet. And then they confronted Jesus about it. But Jesus instead rebukes them. And he rebukes them with the words of the psalm, saying, don't you know that from the lips of children, I have called forth praise, specifically to silence you. So then in the context of the psalm, the enemies, the foes, and the avengers are not just the religious leaders or the rulers of Jesus' day, but they fit. Really, the enemies in the psalm are any of the forces that work against God and his creative purposes. Whether it's Satan, whether it's the chaos of uncreation, whether it's sin, destruction, or death, the enemies in the psalm are any of the forces that work against God and his creative and redemptive purposes. And so here's the point of verse 2. The point is that in all of creation, in all of creation, God has chosen to silence his enemies and to establish a stronghold against any and every force that opposes him through the praise of children and infants. In all of creation, God has chosen the singing, shouting, babbling, and praying of those children in Kids Rock to silence his enemies, to silence all that oppose him. In all creation, the praise of children. Why do we praise God when we look at the world? You can look at the majesty that fills the earth. You can look at the glory of the heavens, if you like. But the power of creation or the beauty of the creation don't praise God. No, God's praise is established on the lips 
of children and infants. And that's a really surprising thing, I think. Why should that be? The psalm began by drawing our eyes outward and upward to the majesty of the world, but no sooner are we gazing at the stars than we found ourselves looking at a baby, at a toddler, at a child fumbling over the words as they sing, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Why? What is it about an infant that brings God praise? What is it about the child that brings God praise? Well, that's exactly the question that the psalm wants you to ask. And so would you hold on to it as we look at verses 3 and 4? When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Now, Mike began our science lessons last week. And I thought I would do a little reinforcing, seeing as it's exam season, and in case you need to brush up for your next test. So one of the things that blows my mind is the size of our universe. And it almost seems like no matter how big you think the universe is, it's always a lot bigger. So here's just a few of the facts that blow my mind. For example, it takes eight whole minutes for light from the sun to reach us here on Earth. Think about how quickly light travels. If I go to those switches and I turn them off, how long does it take before it gets dark? Not long at all, it's instantaneously. But if someone were to switch off the sun, it would, you wouldn't even know about it for eight whole minutes. And if you think about how fast light travels, that actually isn't very far. Light from the closest star to us. You know, when you look out into the night sky and you see all those stars, the light from the closest star to us, Proxima Centauri, takes four years to get here. From the closest star. And do you want to know how fast light really travels? Light travels 300,000 kilometers per second. 300,000 kilometers, 300,000 kilometers, 300,000 kilometers. And at just over 1 billion kilometers per hour, light takes four years from our closest star. And our sun and Proxima Centauri are just two of at least 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. How's about this? One light year. In other words, how far light travels in one year. One light year is nine trillion kilometers. That's nine with 12 zeros behind it. One light year is nine trillion kilometers. And our Milky Way galaxy is approximately 150,000 light years across. And our Milky Way galaxy of approximately 2 billion galaxies in our universe. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, I want to show you a little video. It's about three minutes. But I think it might help to put these words into perspective. For a little bit of context, you'll see a picture of the sun first and foremost. 
the sun is 1.3 million times bigger than the earth. 1.3 million earths fit into the sun for that perspective. So would you look with me, and I'll come back home. When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, 
the moon and the stars which you've set in place. Hopefully, the scale of all of this gives you a similar perspective that it gives me. By most estimates, there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all our beaches and deserts in the world. People debate about how much it depends on your estimates, but there is a factor of 20 or more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in the world. And if that doesn't make you feel small, there are more atoms in one grain of sand than all the stars in the sky. Lord, our Lord, how manifold your works. In wisdom, you made them all. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory in the heavens. And now, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows your name? Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created and who sustains the whole universe takes the time to know you, to know every single detail, every hair on your head, every struggle in your heart, every doubt in your mind, every question, every decision, every bit of pain that you experience, he takes the time to know you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, glorious, and sovereign over all things, that same God cares for you? He moves towards you. He listens. He understands. He comforts. He encourages and he helps. He cares for you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows you and cares for you? And the question then becomes, why? Why should it be that the praise of God who created all the stars and hung them on the sky, why should it be that his praise be established on the lips of tiny little bundles of dust hurtling through space on a slightly larger bundle of dust? And do you notice that the praise of God is not established through the powerful rulers or leaders of our world either, but it's through children and infants, the lowliest of us, the weakest of us, the most insignificant of us, those of us who are still closest to the bundles of dust from which we came. Compared to the heavens, what is man? Well, it turns out, everything. Would you look at verses five to eight? You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers of the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. Notice what are the works of God's hands in this psalm? Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the works of your hands. You made them rulers of the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea. All that swim the paths of the sea. People are not heavenly beings. We're not angels. 
We're made a little lower than the angels. But in all of creation, God has chosen to crown us to be rulers over the works of his hands and to put all things under our feet. Now, what do verses 7 and 8 remind you of? It should remind you of somewhere else in your Bibles, all the flocks of the herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea. Remind you of some place? Verses 7 and 8 draw our attention back to the creation account in Genesis 1, where God creates and blesses humanity, saying to them, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And if we were to go back to Genesis and ask our question, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? The answer of Genesis 1 would be that they are the image of God. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish of the sea, birds of the sky, the livestock, the wild animals, and all the creatures that move along the ground. Mankind is the image of God. We are the image of God. You are the image of God. That's what Genesis might have said. But, then, but rather than comparing us to God, the psalmist compares us to the heavens and the earth that God made. We are a part of it, but we're very special in it. A little lower than the heavenly beings, but rulers over the flocks, the wild animals, the birds, the fish, and all living creatures. But more than that, over the sun and the moon, over the stars and galaxies, over the heavens, over everything. What is it about creation that God that makes God particularly praiseworthy. It turns out, it's us. We establish the praise of God in this world. And not the important ones of us, but the children, the infants, the lowliest, the weakest, the most insignificant of us. In a universe that's big beyond our imagination, God made a tiny little pile of dust and said it's spinning around one of a million, billion, billion balls of fire and then on that tiny little ball of dust, and from that tiny little ball of dust, he made us, people of the dust. And he crowned us so that all creation might praise God, so that we might lead all of creation in praise. Our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's actually how this psalm ends. That's where Psalm 8 ends. But there's a problem. And I wonder if you've noticed it. Do you know what the problem is? The problem is that we don't. That's the problem. We don't establish God's praise in all of creation. We don't really rule over the birds of the sky or the fish of the sea or all that swim along the paths of the sea, well, at least not in a, a functional way. We certainly don't rule over the heavens. I mean, we can barely reach the moon, let alone rule, rule it along with the rest of space. And there is a sense, of course, that mankind does rule over creation. We can tame nature. We can build cities. We can make rockets that can reach the moon. And we can take pictures of space a billion kilometers away. In that sense, we do rule. But even in this very limited way, we don't actually rule particularly well, do we? We don't do a good job of it. In all of our greatest accomplishments, we don't actually establish the praise of God, have we? 
I think just the opposite. We don't see God's praise in the rule of people. No, we see exploitation, futility, and injustice. Because of us, creation actually groans, and we groan. And so in this way, Psalm 8 actually mocks us. It tells us about a people that we just can't be, that we've never been, that we can't be, and we will never be. In all of our brokenness, in our sin, in our failings, this psalm actually isn't about us at all. No. It's about somebody entirely different. That person that we could never be. In the New Testament, the author of Hebrews reflects on this psalm as well. And the letter begins by comparing Jesus to the angels, the heavenly beings, and showing that Jesus is superior to the angels. But then he continues in chapter 2, verses 5 to 10. It's not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come. It's not the angels that rule. It's not They aren't who God has put in control of all things. No. It's not the angels that he has subjected the world to come about which we are speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the angels. You see that there? You made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him with glory and honor. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, through whom the stars and the planets were made, in whom all things hold together and without whom nothing was made that has been made, Jesus became for a little while lower than the angels, that for a little while, this heavenly being became dust. Hebrews continues in verse 8. In putting everything under him, God has left nothing that is not subject to him, nothing that is outside of his control. And yet at this present time, we don't see that. We don't see everything subject to him. We don't see stars and planets subject to a man. We don't see the world ruled by a righteous man. We don't see everything subjected to Jesus. We see corruption. We see wickedness. We see pain. We see death. And we see groaning. That's what we see. But back to Hebrews. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that, that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. In other words, for a little while, Jesus died and returned to the dust so that in a little while, we might become the people that we're supposed to be. For a little while, Jesus died and he returned to the dust, so that in a little while, we might become the people we're supposed to be. That bundle of dust that hung on the Roman cross is the human being that we could never be. And it's especially in that way, in Jesus' suffering, death, and then later resurrection, that he leads all of creation in praise to its creator. 
And that's why I love this song. And that's why I love verse two of this song. And that's what I think about when I sit there and watch the waves roll over Bishop Beach. Because in a way, it reminds me that this psalm is actually about me. And it's actually about you too. In a little while. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I asked Jade and Laura to come up and lead us in a last song. What gift of grace is Jesus my Redeemer? There is no more for heaven now to give. He is my joy, my righteousness and freedom. My steadfast love, my deep and boundless peace. To this I hope, my hope is only Jesus. For my life is wholly down to His. Oh, how strange and divine I can sing. All is mine, yet not I, but true Christ in me. The night is dark, but I am not forsaken. For by my side, the Savior, He will stay. I labor on in weakness and rejoicing. For in my need, His power is displayed. To this I hope. My shepherd will defend me through the deepest valley he will lead. Oh, the night has been won, and I shall overcome, yet not I, but you Christ in me. No dread, I know that I'm forgiven, the future sure, the price it has been paid, for Jesus bled and suffered for my pardon, and he was raised to overthrow the grave, to this I hope. My sin has been defeated. Jesus now never is my plea. All the chains I've released, I can sing.
just fall out with every breath I long to follow Jesus for he has said that he will bring me home and on that day I know I will renew me until I stand with joy before the throne to this I hope my hope is only Jesus Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And Father God, I just I just pray that as we as we think upon who you are and your creation, I just I just pray that that becomes personal to us as well. Majestic is your name on all the earth. And Father God, I just pray that we each take a moment and just declare yours, you as, as majestic in our lives majestic in our hearts. And Father God, may there be nothing nothing else in our hearts that we we give that name, majestic. Nothing else in our lives that we allow to compete um, for the for that for that position of being majestic. May there be nothing else. Lord our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ben. Thanks so much, James. Ian, would you like to share? <laughs> Ian is in our uh, in our life group, and uh, he's uh, got got something to share. Let's take our seats quickly for for a minute. Hi, everyone. Uh, I'll make this quick because I'm sure everyone wants coffee. Um, yeah, I just want to share a story about how God came through, and it, it echoes what um, Baptist was saying earlier about the storm and focusing on God and not focusing on the storm. So myself, my wife Kylie, my two kids, Samantha and, S- Samantha and Jack, we moved to Fishhook just under three years ago, um, and we've been renting a house in Fishhook, a beautiful house. And um, I noticed earlier this year our lease had not been renewed. 
we were just on month to month. And so I contacted the owners and I said, what's this about? And they said, we might need to sell the house. And we were like, uh, okay. Um, so we just started praying. And we were like, Lord, we love this house. Keep us in this house. But your will be done. And a couple of weeks went past and the owner came to us and said, we need to sell the house. But there's a chance that in, an investor could buy the house and you could stay in the house. So we started praying. And we were like, Lord, let an investor buy the house so we can stay in this house. But your will be done, you know, whatever you've got for us. And, um, and then we started looking at the market. And we we're like, there's nothing to rent in Fishhook. Like trying to find a three-bedroom house, everyone's looking for a three-bedroom house to rent. And we panicked. And we started looking. And a house came up um, in Sun Valley. And we applied. And we were approved. And my wife was like, do we go? Do we take this house? Like, here's a house. We don't know what's happening with the house we're staying in, but here's a house. We can move. And I couldn't. I just couldn't. Like, I said to her, I can't move not knowing what's going to happen to this house. I can't. And I said, God's going to provide. I do not, I, I have peace. I do not have peace moving to that house. God will sort this out. And we just rested. And we focused on him, and we actually just forgot about the storm. And we just, we just carried on. And we had people coming to view. The agent was like, you guys have got a viewing. We've never cleaned the house so many times in, like <laughs> in a short space of time. Um, and, yeah, so then we, you know, we just carried on praying, and we were, like, listening to the people in the house. We are like, no, these are owners. These aren't investors. Like, not them. <laughs> and, um, and we just, and again, we, like, forgot about that process as well. We are like, okay, another viewing. Carry on. And um, on the 1st of May, Kylie and I were out on our anniversary breakfast date, and we got the phone call from the owner. You've got two months to move out. The house has been sold. And I felt nothing but excitement. I was like, this is a new adventure. I don't know what's coming, but this is a new adventure. So the chapter is closing, a new adventure is starting. There's nothing to rent, but... This is going to be cool. That was the 1st of May. On the 2nd of May, someone in our, in our home group popped a message on the home group, WhatsApp group, saying, hey, who's looking for a three-bedroom house to rent? We're moving out in two months. And we saw the, the, saw the house that day. We were approved on the 5th. And it just it blows me away. It really, really blows me away. Um, I've had similar moments in my life where God has come through. I've prayed, and like God has come through, but nothing has happened like this. One day apart, like we worried for nothing. God had the whole plan rolled out. He's like, "Okay, now it's time to move. There's your house." So yeah, and it really echoes what what Baptist was saying: focus on God, not the storm. It also echoes. Uh, what you said in the sermon, like, this universe is massive, but God cares about me. Amen. There are, there are definitely two takeaways for me there. Um, number one, focus on, on, on Jesus in your, in your boat and not in the storm. And number two, join a life group. 
So if you're, if you're not yet in a life group, they've conveniently placed a board <laughs> for you to go look at. Choose a life group um, and, and join them. Um, yeah, Alexander and I have also, um, our lives have been just so enriched by, by a close-knit group around us um, in, in our life group. Um, right, in closing, um, where am I? In closing, um, first of all, your kids, don't forget them. Please collect your kids. Um, secondly, tea and coffee, compulsory. Uh, number three, um, the Ignite book. Um, if, you've got, if you've got any questions or if you'd like to just start somewhere or if you have been um, a Christian for many years and you just want a resource, this is an amazing resource. I'd recommend it. I've, I've, I've gone to work through it as well. Um, and next steps, um, follow us on, our, on, our, on Facebook, WhatsApp. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll send you info throughout the week. Very little, just one or two. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, good to see you all. And James, Ben, thank you so much. Thanks, everybody. And have a lovely Sunday. Enjoy your coffee. Bye.
son. Okay, you no, can no, buy no, your no, you go ahead. I'll just, when I see him, I'll just give him like a, a quick five or five reflection. Okay, so there's no, there's no ending song then. No, okay, so, so we don't, so will you do all the, all the end stuff? Yes. Pick up. No, I'll just, I'll just like give him some five reflections and then after a minute or two. Perfect. Cool, awesome, thanks. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's a fair bit warmer than it was in the first service. Uh, you, you, you've chosen wisely. Uh, ma maybe take a minute to 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 gr greet those around you. Um, just if you if you don't know each other or if you haven't had a moment to to, to greet each other. Good morning again. My name is Bertus and this is my wife, Alexandra. Um, to any first-time visitors, welcome here. I'm glad you're with us. For any online visitors, um, we'd love to have you in person, but we're very happy you're online with us. Um, if, you've, if you're visiting and you've got kids, you're welcome to drop them off at, at Kids Rock uh, um, or have them with you, whatever works for you. But there's, a, there's Kids Rock for, for, for um, young ages and older ages across the, the, the garden. Um, maybe just an, an, an idea of, of, of what we're going to do here today if you're a visitor. We're going to have a time of praise and worship, um, and then we're going to have some announcements, uh, and then we're going to have a message. We're, we're blessed to have James with us. He's going to bring a message. Um, and really, afterwards, then we, we're going to have some coffee together. And really, we just like to invite you to participate as much as you feel comfortable. Um, sit with us, stand with us, worship with us, um, listen to the message with us um, in, in, in a way that makes you feel comfortable. Um, the only compulsory event for you to participate in is the coffee afterwards. So we'd love to meet you. We'd love to chat to you. And we look forward to that. Um, we have blessed with an amazing band, but I wouldn't want you to leave here today thinking, wow, the band was good. We're blessed to have James bring us a message, but I wouldn't want you to leave here today thinking, wow, James is an amazing guy. Um, but what I would like you to, although he is, <laughs> but what I would like you to leave with is, is having, having heard the word of God and having, um, having a, a, a meeting with God um, and Jesus and understand what he has done for us and how majestic he is. I'm going to ask us all to stand for worship. And as we stand, just quieten your heart and examine where your heart is at as you approach the throne of God. Maybe we just close our eyes for a moment. As we approach the throne, maybe you're feeling insignificant. Maybe you're feeling guilty or shameful or inadequate. Maybe you're on the other spectrum and you're feeling proud of yourself and your abilities. You're feeling comfortable and confident in, in how you're approaching the throne. Where are you sitting this morning? Jesus teaches us how to approach the throne and his is a completely different focus. He focuses on God and who God is and who God says we are. 
our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Lord Jesus, please open our hearts to just be in awe of your majesty, your almighty. Thank you, Lord Jesus. stop it for a second. I've got a beautiful piano player here, and I've started this in two keys flat. I was wondering why I was singing so low. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love That you would take my place Yes, Lord We worship you That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would be set free Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Father, we just come before you and we want to worship you, Lord. We just want to sing about your greatness, Lord. Who brings our chaos back into order? Who makes us often a son and daughter? The King of glory. The King above all kings oh, Who rules the nations With truth and justice Shines like the sun In all of its brilliance The King of glory The King above all kings oh, This is amazing grace this is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That I would see set free Ooh, Jesus I sing for all that you've done for me Oh, we welcome you, Lord We welcome you with praise We welcome you with praise Almighty God of love Be welcome in this 
We welcome you with praise. We welcome you with praise. Almighty God of love, we welcome in this. Let every heart adore. Let every soul obey. Almighty God of love, we welcome in this. This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You would lay down your life That's That I would be set free Oh, Jesus, I sing Father, you see us in our weakness, Lord. You see us in strength and when we're arrogant and when we're humble, Father, you see us all the time, Father. We thank you for the cross, Lord. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for what you've created so that we can worship you in it, Lord. Are you hurting and broken? Right. 
In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. Many of you may know this, this piece um, where, where Jesus calmed the storm. And it strikes me that the disciples in the boat, they were f- fearful and amazed twice. First of all, at the waters um, and the storm. Um, but then they their fear and their amazement shifted away from the storm, away from the waters towards Jesus. And, uh, and I think often we, we, we stare at the water and we keep on staring in the water. And even if the waters are calm, we still stare at the water. And uh, I want to encourage us to, to almost literally stare at the waters one moment, but then recognize who is this God and, and, and shift our gaze towards, towards Jesus. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. I don't know what the storms are in your life, but, um, but I know we can, we can shift our gaze towards Jesus.
It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. And I've seen many searching for answers far and wide, but I know we're all searching for answers. Only you provide because you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. Who I am, and you're perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To us, you are perfect. take our seats. Father God, thank you that, that we can come before you as your church, knowing we, we come clothed in who you are. Um, we come clothed in, in who you are and what you've done, not, not who, who we are, um, but we can, we can have an identity in you. Amen. Welcome. Again, and a special welcome if this is your first time or if you've only been coming a few times. I hope that you feel extra welcome, um, more than the normal comers. <laughs> um, if you are new here, it doesn't have to be your first time, and you haven't yet 
connected or given us your details. Um, there's a new here form at the registration. Um, and if you feel you'd like to sign that, that would be awesome. We can just connect with you, get to know you better. You can know more about us um, as well. If you are welcome online, and if you are new online, you can do the same. There's a new here form that will be um, posted on Facebook in our next steps post or sent out in the WhatsApp group. But you won't be on the WhatsApp group if you haven't filled in the new here form. <laughs> we don't send lots of messages on the WhatsApp group. Um, we're going to go into a time of financial giving now. I think some baskets will be passed around shortly. Yeah, we've got baskets. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, our preferred method of giving, giving is uh, giving online. There you can see our codes. Um, the baskets will also be going around. Financial giving um, is really a, a moment for our members, and it's actually such a privilege uh, to be able to tangibly give uh, to God's work. Um, and, and yeah, th this, this awesome God who, who doesn't need us but want us, um, who, who blesses us so abundantly, it's, it's, it's such a privilege to, to be able to, to give tangibly to his church and to his work. Um, just out of curiosity, who was um, here yesterday for the men's group? Hands up. Okay, so just a little, a little health and safety briefing. Somebody dropped a glass outside, so, so please be careful around that area. <laughs> Now we get to hear a really awesome message from Psalms 8, from James. Thank you. Thanks. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Alexandra. Thanks, Bertus. Um, good morning, everyone. Um, if, if we haven't met or if we've only met briefly, I'm James. Um, it's really a gift to be with you here this morning. And uh, I said this to you guys last week if you came to the second service. Well done on coming to the second service. It's, like <laughs> it's definitely the wiser option in terms of warmth, um, Hopefully, I don't know. I'm going to stop talking now and, and start praying. <laughs> would, would you pray with me? And yeah, let's pray. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You've made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers of the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. All the flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea and all that swims the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Amen. In your Bibles, if you could turn to Psalm 8, uh, that's where we're spending our time this morning. Um, now, most of you would know this about me, but in case uh, you don't, um, I, I thought it would probably be helpful to tell you. I am not a runner. I am not a runner. I don't run for fun. I tell people I run sometimes to keep sane, um, to run to get air in my head and run out some frustrations. But to be honest, I'm not a fan of the aching legs and feet, um, the burning lungs, the red cherry face and lots and lots of sweat. Uh, I'm not a runner. I'm a walker. 
I that's what I am. I love to walk, and um, I live in Fishhook. And on my off days, one of my favorite things to do is to go for a nice long walk. It's usually up to St James or Cork Bay, or sometimes down to Glencairn. But I really love to walk with earphones in my ears, listening to my favorite songs or podcasts. I usually have a book or a notepad with me, and then I walk. And usually along the way, I stop and grab a coffee, and then I find a nice little bench. And then I just sit and I be. And usually on Friday or Saturday mornings when I'm taking my walk, I see some of you. And uh, I see you along the way. Sometimes Keegan and Des, who are very much a part of our Kids Rock team, they go for runs. So does, so does Ellen. And I see them running down after an hour-long trail hike in the mountains. And they ask me, like, why, why are you running? I'm like, because I'm walking. Um, <laughs> But, but I, I see Paul, I see uh, Paul and Claire as they walk along. Sometimes Pete and Annabelle, um, I see them too. Or even Ashley, who's very much a part of our congregation here. And I see them swimming. And I'm just like, Cape Tonians. <laughs> here I am in jeans and a jersey, and they're taking a swim in this freezing water. But these are the people that I see on my walk. And, you know, it's quite beautiful. And one of my favorite spots is really early in the morning. At, um, if you get onto Fishhook Beach at just the right time of year, and it's not too cold yet, it's not too windy, and uh, and you can just sit on Jagger's Wharf, and you can watch the sun come up over the mountains over the False Bay. And the light kind of plays in the water. The breeze is gentle. You've got mountains all around you. You've got children playing on the sand, dogs running up and down. You've got crazy people who decide to go and swim. But it's all just very pleasant. And I think sometimes that I live in one of the most beautiful places on the planet. And you know, in those moments, in those moments, sometimes I just, just end up stopping and praising God. And I don't know if you've had this experience before, where you find yourself somewhere awesomely beautiful and you almost can't help it. It takes your breath away and praise just comes out. Have, have you had that happen to you? you know, someone once wrote um, a while back, when through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees, when I look down from lofty mountain grandeur, and see the brook and feel the gentle breeze. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And sometimes, that's what I think. Have you ever stopped to wonder why? What is it about creation that makes us want to praise God? Or to put it a little differently, what is it about creation that makes God particularly praiseworthy? Is it his raw power? Is that what it is? Do we just get overwhelmed by the wind and the waves? You know, the gale force southeaster blowing up these mavericks against the South Peninsula coastline. Or the Cape Storms, which we know all too well with its torrents of rain, flashes of lightning, and claps of thunder. Do we see God's power in creation and just stand amazed that our God could make a world like this? Is it his artistic beauty 
Are we overcome by the beauty of the sunset? Just over Newtwood Beach, which seemed almost painted on the sky in all those pastel pinks and blues and oranges. Do we see the beauty of creation and just stand in awe that God could make a world like this? Or maybe it's the technical precision with which the world works. Have you noticed that the world doesn't stop working? Things that I make, and to be honest, I can't make anything really, but things that I make break and they stop working. But the world in which we live doesn't. The sun rises and sets, the earth keeps spinning on its axis, gravity remains, and we continue to breathe in the oxygen we need to live. Do we see the fine-tuned precision of our world and just stop to think that our God could make a world like this? Why do we praise God when we look at the world? Now, many years ago, there was an Israelite, and he was sitting on the hills somewhere in Ephraim, I suppose. And maybe a bit like me, he sat on those hills, and he looked out across the Mediterranean Sea, and thought the same kind of thoughts that I thought. And he wrote, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens, majesty that fills the earth, glory that stretches across the sky. Oh, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And the beauty of the psalm is that I might have written that, sitting there, overlooking the beauty of the false bay, I might have written those words. And maybe you might have written them too. But the thing I love about the psalm is that I wouldn't have uh, written the next words. Would you take a look at verse two? Through the praise of children and infants, you've established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Now, what could it possibly mean to establish a stronghold or strength out of the praise of children? There's a whole bunch of words there that don't seem to belong together. There's praise, there's stronghold or strength, there's enemies, foes, and avengers, there's children and infants, and there's creation in verse 1. I'm thinking, what do all of these have to do with each other? Why do all these things belong together? Now, the idea itself isn't actually too hard to understand, and we even get an illustration of it in the New Testament. And I wonder if you remember the story. Do you remember when Jesus comes into Jerusalem and cleanses the temple? We read in the Gospels that as Jesus entered the temple courts, the place that signified God's presence amongst his people, the place that was the center of worship for the Jewish people, he came in and he found people buying and selling cattle, sheep and doves. And there were others at tables exchanging money. And this left him enraged. So he made a whip and he drove them all out of the temple courts. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And Matthew tells us in his account, in chapter 21, that then the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and Jesus healed them. But the chief priests and the teachers of the law, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, they saw the wonderful things he did, and they saw the children 
the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David. So they told the, ch- the kids to be quiet and sit down and then confronted Jesus about it. But Jesus rebuked them with these words, the words of Psalm, of the Psalm in verse two. Don't you know from the lips of children, I have called forth praise specifically to silence you. So then, in the context of this psalm, the enemies, the foes, and the avengers are not just the religious leaders or rulers of Jesus' day, but they would fit. Really, the enemies of the psalm are any of the forces that work against God and his creative purposes. Whether it's Satan, whether it's the chaos of uncreation, whether it's sin, destruction, or death, the enemies in the psalm are any force that works against God and his creative and redemptive purposes. And so here's the point of verse two. The point is that in all of creation, in all of creation, God has chosen to silence his enemies and establish a stronghold against any and every force that opposes him through the praise of children and infants. In all of creation, God has chosen the singing shouting, babbling, and praying of the children in Kids Rock to silence his enemies, to silence those who oppose him. In all of creation, he chose children. So why do we praise God when we look at the world? You can look at the majesty that fills the earth. You can look at the glory that stretches across the skies. But no sooner are we gazing up at the stars and the beauty of creation then we see a little child fumbling over their words, singing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. And I think that's really surprising. And the question becomes why? Why is, what is it about that infant that brings God praise? What is it about that child that brings God praise? And that's the exact question that the psalm wants you to ask. And so would you hold on to it as you move into verses three and four? When I consider your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Now, last week, Mike began our science lessons together. And I thought I would do a little bit of reinforcing, seeing as though it's exam season. And just in case you guys wanted to brush up on your science, well, here you go. Um, One of the things that blows my mind is the size of our universe. And it almost seems to me that no matter how big you think the universe is, it's always a lot bigger. So here's a few facts that blow my mind. And these are just a few. How about this one? It takes a whole eight minutes for light from the sun to get to us on earth. Now think about how quickly light travels. If I were to go to those switches and turn off the lights, how long will it take before it gets dark? Not long at all, almost instantaneously, right? But if someone were to switch off the sun, we wouldn't even know about it for eight whole minutes. And if you think about how fast light travels, that actually isn't even a far distance at all. 
light from our closest star, the closest star to us. When you know when you look up into the night sky and you see all, all those stars, light from the closest star to us, Proxima Centauri, takes four years to get here from the closest star. And do you want to know how fast light really is? Light travels at 300,000 kilometers per second. 300,000 kilometers, 300,000 kilometers, 300,000 kilometers per second. And so at just over 1 billion kilometers an hour, light takes four years to get to us from the closest star. And our sun and Proxima Centauri are just two of at least 100 billion stars in our Milky Way galaxy. How's about this? One light year, in other words, how far light travels in a year, one light year is nine trillion kilometers. That's a nine with 12 zeros behind it. One light year is nine trillion kilometers, and our Milky Way galaxy is approximately 100 light years across. And our Milky Way galaxy is one of approximately 200 billion galaxies in our universe. When I consider the heavens, your heavens, the works of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place, I, I would love to play you a little video. It's, it's three minutes, and I hope that this video puts things into a bit more perspective. The image that you're first gonna see is our sun, and for a bit of context, you fit we fit 1.3 million Earths, which we live on, into that sun, into our sun. 1.3 million Earths into that sun. So that's the first image you're going to see. I'll come back afterwards.
When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. Hopefully, the scale of all of this gives you a similar perspective that it gave me. By estimates, there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in the world. People debate about how much, but it depends on estimates, but there is close to a factor of 20 or more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in our world. And if that doesn't make you feel small, there are more atoms in one grain of sand than there are stars in the sky. Oh Lord, our Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you made them all. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. And so when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them? Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows your name? Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created and who sustains the whole universe takes time to know you, to know every single detail, every hair on your head, every struggle in your heart, every doubt in your mind, every question, every decision, every bit of pain that you experience? He takes the time to know you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who is all-powerful, all-knowing, glorious, holy, and sovereign over all things, that same God cares for you? He cares for you. He moves towards you. He listens. He understands. He comforts. He encourages, and He helps you. Have you ever stopped to consider that the God who created the heavens and the earth knows you and cares for you. And the question becomes, why? Why should it be that the praise of God, who created the stars and hung them in, in the sky, be established on the lips of tiny little bundles of dust hurtling through space on a slightly larger bundle of do you notice that the praise of God is not established through our powerful rulers and leaders in our world, but it's through children and infants, the lowliest of us, the weakest of us, the most insignificant of us, those who are still closest to the bundles of dust from which we came. Compared to the heavens, what is man? Well, it turns out everything. Would you look at verse 5? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands and put everything under your feet. Just to stop there, what are the works of God's hands in this song? Verse 3, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the works of your hands, you made them rulers over the works of your hands and you put everything under their feet all flocks and herds, and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, and the fish in the sea, 
and all that swims the paths of the seas. As people, we are not heavenly beings. We're not angels. We're made a little lower than the angels. But in all of creation, God has chosen to crown us as rulers over the works of his hands and put all things under our feet. Now, what do verses 7 and 8 remind you of? It should remind you of somewhere else in your Bibles. Can you give a guess? All the flocks and herds, the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea. Verses 7 and 8 draw our attention to the creation account in Genesis 1, where God created and blesses humanity, saying to them, rule over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, over the livestock, over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And if we were, good, were to go back to Genesis and ask our question, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? The answer Genesis 1 would give would be, they are the image of God. God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky the wild animals and all that creeps along the ground. Mankind is the image of God. We are the image of God. You are the image of God. That's what Genesis might have said. But rather than comparing us to God, the psalmist compares us to the heavens and the earth that God made. Now we're a part of it. We're a part of creation, but we're very special in it a little lower than the heavenly beings, but rulers over the flocks and herds, the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and all the creatures that move along the ground. But more than that, rulers over the sun and the moon, over the stars and the galaxies, over the heavens, over everything. What is it about creation that makes God particularly praiseworthy? It turns out it's us. We establish the praise of God in our world. But notice that it's not the important ones of us, but it's the children, the infants, the lowliest, the weakness, the most insignificant of us. In a universe that's big beyond our imagination, God made a tiny little pile of dust and said it's spinning around one of a, a million, billion, billion balls of fire. And then on that tiny little pile of dust, that ball of dust, and from that tiny little ball of dust, he made us, people of the dust. And he crowned us so that creation might praise God, that we might lead all of creation in praise, singing, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's actually how this psalm ends. That's where Psalm 8 ends. But there's a problem. And I wonder if you felt it or spotted it. Do you know what the problem is? The problem is we don't. That's the problem. We don't really establish God's praise in all creation. We don't really rule over the birds of the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims along the sea, at least not in a functional way. We certainly don't rule over the heavens. I mean, we can barely reach the moon, let alone rule it, <laughs> along with the rest of space. 
And there's a sense, of course, that mankind does rule over creation. We tame nature, we build cities, we make rockets that reach the moon, and we can take pictures of space that are a billion of kilometers away. And there's, there's a sense that we do rule, but even in this limited way, we don't actually rule particularly well, do we? We don't do a good job of it. In all of our greatest accomplishments, we don't actually establish the praise of God. I think just the opposite. We don't see God's rule in the, uh, God's praise in the rule of people. Rather, we see exploitation. We see suffering. We see injustice. Because of us, we read that creation actually groans, and, and we groan. And so in a way, this psalm actually mocks us. It tells us about a people that we just can't be that we've never been, that we can't be, and that we will never be. In our brokenness, in our sin, and in our failings, the psalm actually isn't about us at all. Uh, it's, it's about somebody entirely different. The person that we could never be. In the, in the New Testament, the author of the Hebrews reflects on this psalm as well. Um, the letter begins by comparing Jesus to the angels, the heavenly beings, and showing that he is superior to the angels. But then he, be, then, then he continues in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 10, by saying, it's not to the angels that he has subjected the world to come. It's not the angels who rule, that's not who God put all things under their feet, no. It's not to the angels that he subjected the world to come, about which we're speaking. But there's a place where someone has testified what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lower than the angels. Do you see what the author of Hebrews said? You've made him a little lower than the angels and crowned him in glory and honor. You made him rule over the works of your hands and you put everything under his feet. Jesus, the son of God, through whom the stars and the planets were made, in whom all things hold together and without whom nothing was made that has been made, Jesus became for a little while lower than the angels. And for a little while, this heavenly being became dust. Hebrews continues in verse eight. In putting everything under him, God left nothing that is not subject to him, nothing that is outside of his control, Yet at this present time, we do not see that. We do not see everything subject to him. We don't see stars and planets subject to a man. We don't see the world ruled by a righteous man. We don't see everything subjected to Jesus. Yet, we see corruption, we see wickedness, we see pain, we see death and we see groaning. That's what we see. But, Hebrews continues, we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death, so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists should make the pioneer, that means the founder and author of their salvation, 
perfect through what he suffered. For a little while, Jesus died and returned to the dust. So that in a little while, we might become the people that we're supposed to be. For a little while, Jesus died and returned to the dust. So that in a little while, we might become the people that we're supposed to be. That bundle of dust that hung on the Roman cross is the human being that we could never be. And it's especially in that way, in his suffering, death, and resurrection, that Jesus leads all of creation in praise to its creator. And so that's why I love this song. And that's why I love verse two of this song. And that's what I sometimes think about when I sit down on Jagger's Walk watching the waves rolled in over Fisher Creek. Because it reminds me that actually, the psalm is about me. And the psalm is about you in a little while. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Would you spend some time in quiet reflection? Consider the greatness of creation, the greatness of our God, our seeming insignificance, but also the glory and dignity given to us as image bearers of God. And consider our Savior, Jesus, who rules and who will rule. Jade, do you reckon you can lead us in song?